Awesome. Good to see you here uh, and good to see you online on YouTube and Facebook. Praise the Lord for that. So uh, very excited to be able to expand our gospel outreach. We're so happy and, and blessed to be able to do that. Uh, as we continue and finish up, uh, you'll notice uh, my shirt for today is do not make me use my preacher voice. And uh, Reggie asked me what it is. I said, Reggie, you do not want to know. Right, so, <laughs> well, I got a feeling the preacher voice might come out today. Um, <laughs> but uh, as we've been in this series, we've really been trying to talk and really have a, a, a heartfelt dialogue about what Christianity is, about what faith is, about having our faith inform our behaviors, our actions, our life. And so, so what we've been really striving to do is understand the impact and importance of forgiveness in our lives. We've discovered that being forgiven is one of the most beautiful gifts that you can ever be given. We've also discovered that giving the gift of forgiveness is sometimes feels even better than being forgiven. You know, um, we have experienced and, and understand that the way we have been forgiven should have a profound influence on our lives. Profound influence, not just an influence, not just one influence, but a profound influence on our lives. And it should transform how we deal with ourselves. It should transform how we deal with others, and it should transform even how we deal with those we consider our enemies. And so when we look at that and understand that, we understand one of the biggest roadblocks to forgiveness is to think that we ignore justice. And I have stated uh, faithfully that if you think that forgiveness means that we are giving up justice, then you absolutely do not understand the cross of Jesus Christ. Because your sin had a heavy penalty and it was not ignored. There was a blood sacrifice for your sin and my sin. It cost Jesus his very life. He was beaten, whipped, abused, mocked, and hung naked on a cross, stabbed in the heart, and killed for your sin. So to think that your forgiveness means that we ignore justice, means we have zero opportunity of understanding the cross. The cross of Christ is where the justice of God met the grace of God and the rightful wrath of God was satisfied, not washed over, satisfied in Christ Jesus and objects of wrath became objects of affection. And that was you and it was me and now it is you and now it is me. So when we understand this idea of forgiveness, it helps us confess our sins. A lot of times it's easy to see everybody else who isn't doing right, but it's hard to look in the mirror. Right? It also helps us to repent. Just to know there's something wrong or to have remorse that you got caught isn't enough. We must repent, which means to make a 180, not a 360, or you end up in the same space. We need to forgive, to restore and seek reconciliation so we can live out the forgiveness that has been experienced to us. We also have learned that Jesus laid it down in no uncertain terms as a command, not a suggestion, that if you do not forgive, then you will not be forgiven. That's what Jesus said. 
So when we understand that, we understand that if there's ever been a time in our church's history that we need this message, it's now. If there's ever been a time in this nation's history, it's now. If there's ever been a time in our city, in our world, but even more importantly, in our individual lives, it is now. Because truthfully, and I have stated it for four weeks straight, truthfully, the metal of our relationships, many of our relationships, especially with God, has been tested and found to be unstable and shakable. You ask me how I know that by our actions, our lack of trust in God. Our lack of Christian decency and behavior and using excuses to live out Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 and 20 instead of Galatians chapter 5 verses 21 to 23. And I'm going to let you look that up yourself. Because if you want to know the difference between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, just read it, and then all I want you to do is look at your life, listen to your words, listen to your actions. Don't let me judge you. That's not my, pot, my, not my spot. God will. God will use his preacher voice on you. I don't even need to. An honest understanding of who we are, our thoughts... Our motivations, our manipulations, the general ugliness is vital to our repentance and forgiveness until we take a good hard look and recognize what we have capable, what we are capable of, we will never be able to fight it off. But I also say we have potential to do what no one else would expect. We could blow people's minds with, good, with the good that God has for us. And still bring about the change that is much needed in our culture and society. But if they can't tell the difference between us and them, meaning Christians and, and others, why change? Why tell them that you have something better when you look exactly, sound exactly, behave exactly like the heathen? To try and hide parts of our lives from God is funny, isn't it? Come to church on Sunday, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Go home, hallelujah, I hate my brother. Right? Now how it works? We're all up in here on Sunday doing it. Go home and then we really do it. Right? It's scary when you think about it to honestly think that we're hiding every icky thing about us from God. He knows everything about us and he loved you at your ickiness. He loved you at your ugliest. He loved you before you ever loved him. And so when you understand for us, we don't compare ourselves to, to other toxic relationships, we're instead supposed to compare our badness to God's holiness, and then it makes us easy to confess. You see, it's easy to decide you're better than somebody else. 
It's easy to say they are full of this and that while you're spewing the very, very thing you're accusing the other people of. It's amazing to call somebody out for name-calling while you're name-calling. Doesn't make any sense. Allow them to expose themselves. That's what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5. You don't have do you don't think other people already can see that? Come on. But when you behave exactly like them, I can't tell the difference. Your hate and their hate looks the same to me. It's hate. See, that won't preach and that won't fill a lot of seats up on Sunday. Because people want you to back their thing. And if you don't back their thing, then you're against their thing. And they turn on you quickly. Welcome to my world. It don't take a minute. People try and read between the lines. Well, if you're reading between the lines, you know what you're going to see? God's word. If you see something else, it's the enemy of your soul. People try and listen. Say, oh, I know who he is. Do you? Because I think you're showing who you are. Don't make me use my preacher voice today. Don't make me do it. Forgiveness for the sinner is both complete and incomplete. God's forgiveness is complete. We no longer be concern, need to be concerned about reconciliation between us and God. It's not, I'm going to heaven, going to hell, going to heaven, going to hell. If that's the case, we, are, we, we better hope that our ticket is punched as soon as the trumpet blows. Because if not, give me about 10 minutes. Give me about 10 minutes. And I'm in trouble. We don't have this thing of, no, instead, because of Jesus, you are found in Him, in Christ. We are united with Christ. We're no, there is no longer where sin separates us from our relationship with God, because when God sees the believer, He sees a washed pure by the blood of Christ individual. Unfortunately, it doesn't mean we won't sin again, as we all well know. When I first got saved, I got saved every week. I don't know about you, but I got saved every week. That preacher knew there was an altar call. He knew, I can count on Mike, he's going to be right there. They knew, if anybody needs Jesus, it's me. I'm the one. I had a spot, and when I became the youth pastor at that church, I used to go sit in that spot before I would preach and say, God, I hope somebody ends up in this spot today. I, don't, I can't even count the times. Can't even count the times. Mike, are you sure you're saved? I just want to be sure that I'm sure that I'm sure I'm saved. I don't ever get mad at anybody for getting saved multiple times. I just want to make sure that I'm saved. I'm glad you want to make sure that you make sure that you make sure you're saved. Why do you think every week I preach and every week I call for a response and every week some of the same people raise their hands? I say, yes, I see that hand, brother. Yes, I see that hand, sister, because I've been right where you're at. Besides, this one might stick. (laughs) 
But think about this. Think about it in, the, in light of a real relationship. When you're a parent or you have a sibling, does the status of us as a son or daughter change because we're angry or upset with our child? You're not my son anymore. You're not my daughter anymore. You're not my... No, it doesn't happen like that. But you know what does change? The intimacy of the relationship. All of a sudden, the child doesn't want to come to you because there's something between. And it's not what you did. It's what they did that keeps you from going to mom and sitting on mama's lap. Or going to dad and saying, dad, can I talk to you, right? Because why? Because the intimacy changed because you put something in between you and your parent. And that's what happens with us and God. The, the intimacy of our relationship changes not because God changed, but because we changed. And so we don't want to climb up in his lap because we don't feel worthy to climb up in his lap. And so it's important for us to understand the distance can be remedied by confession and repentance. And guess what happens? The grace of God comes over. And even if you deserve what's coming to you, you still get grace. They still love you. Sometimes it's a little more complicated with those in relationships on earth. But the first step for you and I to get any of this right is we got to get this one right. If we don't get this one right, we ain't never getting this right. Because it's only by divine grace that we can forgive some people. Come on now. Be honest. Be honest. Come on. It's only by divine grace that we can actually forgive some people. And it's only because we're in relationship with God that they still breathe. Let's just be honest. Come on. Come on. Testify. Salvation of the soul and forgiveness of sins is available to all who believe. Did you know that includes your enemy? That includes the person that you absolutely hate the most. Salvation and forgiveness is available for them. That's hard to wrap our hearts around, isn't it? But at one point, you were that person. You were that offender. So when you think about this, we get to this story in Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 10. We get to a story, and, and, and we have these believers, these Christians, who don't, don't understand the Gospels for everybody. They think it's just for a simple, small group of people, and everybody else can go to hell. Because you know that's what we're saying. When you decide, you, when you decide who gets to go, when you decide who gets the gospel and who doesn't, you're just basically telling people go to hell. A whole people group. You just decide you're going out. You can all go to hell because I'm not sharing the good news with you because I don't want you to repent. Let that sink in. That's why we're doing a revival and going downtown into the streets, into those areas, and trying our best to reach all people for Jesus. It doesn't matter who comes up to that revival. They're going to be, they're going to receive the good news of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ. They may not look like you, sound like you, smell like you, whatever. But somebody's got to preach the good news to them. Somebody.
Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. What has happened is Peter comes to a house of Cornelius, who's a Roman. And remember, the Romans have been oppressive. For those who don't understand the Bible, you should read it. You should really read it, and then you should actually study it. The Romans were monsters. They took pleasure in punishing people. They were brutes. They were made for war. And they loved when they got to oppress you. They loved taking taxes from you and beating you down and making you do whatever they wanted. They loved being bullies. And now Peter comes to the house of Cornelius, who was a Roman, and he finds out that Cornelius has not only been saved, but filled with the Holy Ghost. And that was the witness, that was the testimony, not just saved, but full of the Holy Ghost, which means sanctified, saved and well behaved, saved and changed, a Roman, but nobody, no longer acting like the Romans. So Peter comes in and he sees us and he's like, wow, our God is amazing. He even saves Romans. He even saves Republicans. He even saves Democrats. He even saves independents. He even saves black people. He even saves white people. He even saves Africans. He even saves South Americans. He even saves Canadians. Wow. Fill it in. Antarcticans get saved by Jesus. Everybody. Get saved by Jesus. And so when we understand that, we start to wrap our minds and our hearts around the church is bigger than one people group because we are the people group and we should be the largest people group. So Peter, he opens his mouth and says, man, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, everybody say every nation. Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As the word he sent to Israel preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, which it says, you yourselves know what happened throughout Judea, beginning from Galilee, who, by the way, in case you forgot, when Andrew heard Jesus was from Galilee, he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Y'all remember that? And how did they know that Peter, Peter's dialect was Galilean? And they said, oh, no, you were with the Galilean. You got that Galilean. You speak that Galilean slang. Right? So he's saying it starts, there's a movement that started there, even in a place where you normally don't see, you would expect it to start in the temple. Right? After the baptism, John proclaimed how how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth Uh, with the Holy Spirit and with power. Everybody say power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. Everybody say oppressed. oppressed. Oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day. Hallelujah. 
and he made him to appear not to not to all the people but to us who've been chosen by God as witnesses everybody say witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead to him all the prophets bear witness to him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And then Peter got to live that. May the Lord add his blessing on his word. Because now Peter is looking at a Roman and saying, I can't argue, you're my brother. You're my brother now. You're my brother. And you know what? The church in Jerusalem didn't like that. But you know what Peter said? I'm standing with my brother. You don't have to like it because my testimony is not only are they saved, but they're filled with the Holy Ghost and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is, rests upon them. And if it rests upon them, then I have to obey God and not you. And you know what happened? The church in Jerusalem said, we can't fight with that. The Holy Ghost is on them. The Holy Spirit's on them. Let me just go ahead and back off. I don't want to be fighting God. And sometimes I think it's important for you and I to understand that forgiveness is for all people, even people you don't think deserve it. Come on, church. So here's what I want you to see. This is important because I don't want you to miss this. Forgiveness of sins is not the goal of the gospel. Mm -mm. It's reconciliation between God and all of mankind. That's the goal. You see, many of us think forgiveness of sins is the goal of the gospel. Absolutely not. The goal of the gospel is not just that. It's reconciliation. That forgiveness allows you and I to be sin-free because of what Jesus did, and it reconciles us between God and man. That's the preaching of the gospel. That's what forgiveness's purpose is. Forgiveness's purpose is reconciliation. That's the goal. Forgiveness always happens in pursuit of a better goal. I'm going to tell you again. I'm going to say it again. So, Forgiveness always happens in pursuit of a better goal. For you, it may be forgiveness. Your better goal is freedom. Forgiveness may, may be your reconciliation between you and God because the thing, because the person you refuse to forgive is keeping you from an intimate relationship with God. It's keeping you from growing in your relationship with God. And you're giving them more power than they should have. Reconciliation between you and God. Now, there are some people that we know that we're never going to, 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 to gel with on this earth. We're just, it's just not the way it is. But it doesn't mean that we can't love them. It doesn't mean we can't be free from, their, from the struggle that they cause us. But there's a better pursuit, a greater pursuit. God forgives us through Jesus Christ in the pursuit of a relationship with us. We confess, we repent, we receive forgiveness in pursuit of our relationship with God. We, don't, we start at forgiveness. The pursuit is the relationship with God. We have a lifestyle of repentance and confession. Why? The lifestyle of repentance and confession is to build an intimate relationship with Jesus. Then you know he'll forgive anything. When we ask for forgiveness or receive forgiveness from a family member, a brother, a sister in Christ, or a friend, the goal is not just forgiveness, it's to reconcile. 
It's to reconcile with our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's to reconcile with our friends. That's the goal. It's bigger than just forgiveness. So don't miss that. The second thing I want you to see is Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection removed all barriers between God and anyone who believes. All the barriers, all the barriers are covered by Jesus. He died for everyone's sin, every single sin, to remove all the barriers between God and anyone who believes. The only barrier that would remain is the barrier of unbelief and the barrier of rejection. Because he will not force you to believe. He gave you free will. There is nothing to prevent you. There is nothing on earth in the earth, above the earth, below the earth that can keep you from God but you. That's it, just you. And he gave you that privilege. Nothing, nothing can separate you. You heard it. Nothing. Think about that. The only barrier is us. You see, when you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. That's Jesus' words. He said, if you do not forgive men when they sin against you, then my Father in heaven will not forgive you. The only barrier between God, our relationship with God and you is you. And that's because God gave it to you because he's sovereign. He does what he wants when he wants. Amen. You see, the good news of the gospel exists to remove all barriers between you and God. It's not just a clean conscience. No. I don't want to just have a clean conscience. No, 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 no. It's a soul cleansing There used to be an old song, are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? See, that's what, that's, it's, it's, it, God's in the soul-cleaning business, not just the conscience-cleaning business. God's not interested in your remorse. He's interested in your repentance God is interested in our confession, our repentance, and our deep need for him. The gospel calls us to confess, repent, and be forgiven. And ultimately, the goal is our reconciliation between us and God, our broken relationship. When we forgive here on earth, that should be the goal whenever possible. Keeping in mind that there are some relationships that are just not healthy for us. Come on. You all know, we all got those people. Some of them are our family. Come on, let's just be honest. Come on. Can we be honest in the church? Sometimes you have to distance yourself from those people in order for, to let God deal with them, but you can forgive them and still be distanced. But it doesn't mean we don't pray. For the offender. We we pray that they'll come to right understanding and forgiveness so that we can be reconciled. Sometimes the greatest barriers for us humans is simply our lack of relationship with God. 
The first step to living right, the first step to living in right relationship with others is living in right relationship with God. That's just the facts. The third thing I want you to see is we're called to a lifestyle of repentance so our relationship with God deepens. We're called to a lifestyle of repentance so that our relationship with God deepens. You see, confession, repentance, and forgiveness all keep us from having a stunted relationship with God. I've seen so many people have a strong start. A strong start. And then they say, oh, Pastor Mike, yeah, that God thing didn't work for me. That Christian thing didn't work for me. Say, no, you didn't work your faith. Right? You continued to live the same way, behave the same way, act the same way, talk the same way, walk the same way, all those things. A lifestyle of repentance will truthfully be a part of a healthy relationship with God both here on earth and in heaven. If your relationship with God has been feeling stunted, if you're listening to us on YouTube, Facebook, or here in this room, it could be unforgiveness that's keeping you from getting past. It could be unforgiveness that's causing you to feel distant from God. A lifestyle of confession, repentance, and forgiveness helps us to deepen our relationship with God. And you know what else it helps? It helps us to deepen our relationship with one another, with each other. A church that knows how to forgive one another, we're unstoppable because nothing can divide us. No politics can divide us. No opinion can divide us. Nothing can divide us. Nothing. When we understand the power of unity. Fourth thing and the final thing I want you to see today is the ongoing unconfessed sins of believers create a distance between us and God. Unconfessed sins of believers create a distance between us and God. If you find yourself stuck, there's a high percentage chance there's something unconfessed between you and God. And truthfully, most of the time, it's something you don't want to give up. Truthfully, most of the time, it's something you feel justified in. You feel like you have a right. Unconfessed sins of believers create a distance between us and God. I love my brothers on Wednesday night. I really love them so much. And I've been just pounding it into their hearts for so long. Because without fail, without fail, this question comes up. But Pastor Mike, what if you keep doing the same thing? I'm ashamed of myself. I, keep, I don't deserve forgiveness. You know what my answer always is? You didn't deserve it the first time you asked. Why not the thousandth time? 
Why not? It, it, it blows my mind. They, they say, I just want to get well. There's the distance. The reason you want to give up is their distance between you and God because you won't confess your sin because you decided you were God. You decided that you're smarter than God more, and you decided that you want to cast sentence on yourself. You now want to be king and judge of your life and not God. Because God says you're worthy of forgiveness as, as many times as you ask. That's what, at least that's what my Bible says. But without fail, good men, Don, good men. I'm sure you've seen it in your life. Decades. Good men give up because they couldn't live up to that's why Jesus came. They couldn't live up to it. We keep a short account with God. We keep a short account with God. Why? Because we need Jesus more today than we needed him yesterday. We, we need him more than the next heartbeat, more than the next breath. When the, the minute you start feeling worthy is the minute you have something wrong. I go to God all the time for the same stuff. I'm trying. I'm working on it. I told you, this whole thing right here has got issues. But God helps. And here's the cool thing. I always tell the guys, you don't have to say, God, it's me again. Here for the same thing. Because you know what? God's like, what are you talking about? Because my Bible also teaches me he takes our sin and he throws it away as far as the east is from the west. And he never, ever brings it up again. So you reminding him, it doesn't matter. The sovereign God, the omniscient God decides not to remember your sin anymore. Doesn't that blow your mind? Nothing should keep us from God. But you know what will? Unconfessed sins will create a distance from God. And before you know it, that brother stops showing up in Bible study. Before you know it, that brother stops showing up in church. That sister stops showing up. And before you know it, you see them in the store and, hey, man, that Christian thing didn't work for me. Or I'm going to get back sometime when I get all cleaned up. Woo! Say, well, I'll never see you. God bless you. Right? Once I get cleaned up, Pastor, you're going to see me front row. I ain't ever going to see you. I'll get a picture of you and put you up there on there. You know it's true. But the beautiful thing is God is always calling us. Come and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. Just come and sit with me. Sit with me. I love you. I gave my life for you. And if you and I will just trust God with that, we'll get this business out of the way. And our relationship with God will always be growing. Always be growing. We can do it. It starts with us. It starts with sorry. God, I'm really sorry for what I've done. God, help me. God, forgive me. God, I'll never do it again. God, forgive me for lying. Right? You just say you never do it again, and you're like, forgive me for lying right there, God. Let me rephrase it. God, forgive me. I'll try not to ever do it again. Isn't that the way it is, though? We should learn from, learn from that. Our relationship with God. God gives joy to forgive you. He finds joy in you. 
He wants you to be free. But you can't be free walking around with unforgiveness and ugliness in your heart. You can't be free. He wants you to be free, and he who the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm a human just like you. You don't think I have uh, uh, anger and, and struggles, and, and you don't think that I see and stuff makes me want to not behave like a Christian? And then I have to stand in this pulpit and preach God's Word? You think I don't, I'm immune to those feelings? I have to have those things worked out by the Holy Spirit, and then I have to come and speak God's Word to you so that I hear for myself how I'm supposed to behave. I feel the same way you feel. I hurt the same way you hurt. I'm just human. But at the same time, man, before I am anything, I am a Christ, Christian. I am a Christ follower. Before I'm white, I'm a Christ follower. Before I'm a man, I'm a Christ follower. Before I'm American, I'm a Christ follower. Before I'm Irish, I'm a Christ follower. Whatever you want to say, I'm a Christ follower first. And so that takes precedence over everything in my life. Everything. And His Word is my marching orders. And I'll be honest, there are things I don't like. I'd like to punch some people in the face. But you can't, according to the Scriptures. I'm supposed to pray for them, not punch them in the face. Thanks be to God for His grace. And the fact that my wife said she will not bail me out of jail. But I told her Paul Tyree will. Thank you, Brother Paul. Hallelujah. True conversation. I, 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 I was on time and now I'm going to, I might still be on time. But anyway, true conversation. Just, just about two months ago, right in our neighborhood, there was a guy that was just bullying all of the people. He was an outsider. He came in and he was like, he did some awful things, especially to ladies. And, um, and I was just walking and I noticed that he was there just laying on his horn. And I thought something was wrong. I thought maybe he had a heart attack and fell over. So I went over there and I asked, you know. And uh, he's like, get the F, you know, and he said that. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, well, let me just walk away. And then he, pulled, he drives right by me, slows down, and he says, a few things that back in the day I just would have grabbed you through the thing and then I'd have been like what did you say so I went inside and I'm doing this in the in the in the in the foyer and I'm trying to talk myself into not going and hitting this man and Lorena's like Mike what is wrong with you I said, baby, I'm trying everything in my power not to go punch that man in the face because he's still out there blowing that horn. She's like, if you do, I ain't bailing you out. <laughs> and she hits, me, she hits me with this. Great. Pastor punches man in face on Passer Grill. I told her, I said, well, if I do hit him, Paul Tyree will get me out. But thanks be to God. You didn't see that headline because of the grace of God. I have not had those things said to me in a long time. So for those of you who think I am above it, 
If it wasn't for the grace of God and a loving woman, somebody would have gotten worked. So now we come to this place. The hardest part was I had to confess to God for the emotions that I had. I had to say, God, I'm sorry that I wanted to go pound in the face of one of the people that was made in your image. I'm sorry because I don't even know what's going on in that man's life that would make him say those things and behave that way. So God, I'm sorry for that. I'll try not to feel that way again. (laughs) It's been a couple months. Let's go easy, you know. But ultimately, I say this to say our relationship with God is not perfect. But it's being what? And it happens if we just confess that we need Him every day. Forgive those that have wronged you. Walk away. Do better. Be better. If you're going to be in the headlines, be in the headlines for the good things, not the bad things. And then if they don't get your name right in the headlines, don't even get mad about it. That happened as well. Pastor Jerry from Pensacola did great work in Louisiana. Y'all know. Couldn't even get it right. But I was like, hey, you know what? I did it for Jesus. As long as they know Jesus was glorified, that's what counts, right? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, thank you that we can laugh even at truth. And uh, God, I thank you that sometimes you can use my life as a living parable because, Jesus, you know I need you more than my next breath. And God, I know these people need you more The people listening, the people here need you. We all need you more than our next breath. And we really are trying, God. We really do need your help. And right now, God, for those who wronged us, we release them. We forgive them, not just for them, but for us. We know that the ultimate goal of forgiveness is not just repentance, but it's reconciliation. God, we want to be reconciled to you. And if there's anybody right now, right where you're at, if you've been holding unforgiveness in your heart, release it right now. Receive freedom from Jesus. Build that relationship. Get whatever is in between you and God. Get it out right now. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Mike, I need need that same Jesus that you're talking about, the Jesus that Cornelius found, I need that Jesus in my life. The good news is the Bible says if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that he died on a cross for your sin, if you believe that God raised him back to life, and if you believe that Jesus is coming uh, to come and take you to be with him, then you can be saved, and God will adopt you into his very own family right now. And all you have to do is believe and receive. Right where you're at, you can just say, Jesus, I believe in you, and Jesus, I receive you. Thank you for forgiving me. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm being perfected. I give you everything I am, and I give you everything I'm not. It's in Jesus' most precious name that I pray and receive forgiveness and give forgiveness. 
And all God's people said, amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning because he's a good God?